Welcome to Positive Talk Radio. We're glad you're here. I'm Kevin McDonald, your host for this grand adventure, and I thank you for joining us. You see, our mission is to create a positive, personal connection to all things with courage and love. We invite terrific guests, interesting topics, and great conversation, all in a fun, entertaining way. And we always manage to learn something, too. So I hope you will stay right where you are for this episode of Positive Talk Radio. And welcome, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. I'll have to turn that off. Uh, my, my name is Kevin McDonald, and uh, uh, over there we've got a gentleman. You know, I said in the opening, I've got to say this, Asher. In the in the opening, I said that uh, we're going to learn something. Well, you know what? I got it. I'm going to learn something today because uh, what you're doing is new and it's unique and it's got a lot of creativity to it. And uh, we're going to spend uh, some time talking about what you're doing, how you're doing it, the products you're using and why you're using what you all of that stuff. And by the way, Asher T. Sinclair is with us today. He's going to be with us for the entire hour. And he is a digital eco what artist <laughs> oh, yeah. right. I, miss, I miss the easy one uh right. eco artist and uh, he's out of uh arizona um arizona this time of year is kind of a weird place because it's got two different time zones in it um mm -hmm. so it just depends on where you are as to what time it is uh but it's it's a, it's a great place to live and uh and so asher explain to us exactly what a digital eco artist is so a digital eco artist uh which i may be one of the only um just because i kind of coined the the term you made it up yeah <laughs> it's kind of a merge so you have obviously an artist which i consider myself an artist um you have an eco artist which there's people like one example is like andy goldsworthy which has always been an inspiration to me but where eco artists use things in the natural environment and create larger pieces, sculptures and things from, from that. Um, and then me, the digital eco artist, where I've added the digital aspect because I use digital components like digital textile printing. I use digital photography. And of course I use my computer uh, to work with these and create these designs. So you're creating these design, and they're and they're really are designed to be um, to be shown for your creativity and for what you do. It's 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 like being a painter, only you're you're using digital stuff rather than being a painter. Exactly. That's that's actually one way that I kind of describe it is painting with my photographs. So I do do. I'm not. Uh, I haven't studied color theory. Uh, you know, technically. But color has been a huge part of my life. And obviously being in, in the natural environment and photographing, I'm very observant of color and, and I love color and something even from when I was younger, always matching, you know, working to match my clothes, like always observing the colors. Uh, so I love taking the colors and seeing what colors work well together. And it's kind of something that I just naturally kind of a natural talent of mine to to combine different colors and see what works well together. So you, because you are a, a photographer, you have a photographer's eye. And so you take the, the, the types of things that, that you create through photography, and then you put them digitally onto eco-friendly materials. Correct. Yeah. Hey, so I, I, got that. I got yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, of, I, every design that I create, like the one that's right behind me here, uh, was started on an adventure or a hike um, exploring the natural world. So I'm out photographing, I'm taking images uh, or making images is another way to say it. And then after I've collected those and when I'm out in the field and I'm, and I'm creating imagery, I'm thinking about the different designs and how things might go together and what might work together. And so after I have that imagery, then I'll bring it back to the studio and that's, obviously has my computer and my hard drive and I'll download. I usually have 
a lot of imagery, uh, looking at different angles and different perspectives, uh, which is really a big part of this too, is something that I've learned on my journey doing this is uh, looking at things from a different point of view. Uh, when I'm studying a subject, say a particular flower or a butterfly uh, or anything really in the natural world, tree, bark, things that I like to really kind of get close and zero in on, I'm looking at different perspectives of that thing. So kind of getting different angles. And that's something I've learned through my photography background. Uh, but getting those images, finding certain things and how they work together, really looking for the designs that you don't see you know, initially when you're out, but you really have to kind of go a little bit deeper, finding those and then kind of pulling that out and then work and then working with that imagery. Then I go into the studio and that's where I'm using uh, software such as like Photoshop and I'm cutting out imagery and then uh, basically working with them, aligning them and doing somewhat of a collaging with them would be a good way to describe it. So let me ask you, where, how did you get started doing this? And obviously you made this up. Uh, so because you're like one of the only people in the world that's really doing it. So where did that drive and that uh, passion come from? Well, um, there, there are other people that are printing, you know, on textiles, obviously. Oh, and doing yes. that. I'll give them credit, you know. And, and I would say kind of the thing that's unique about what I'm doing is more the photographic imagery. So a lot of people use um, files that are called like raster files, um, which are images that you would made, make in like Photoshop Illustrator. Um, so you kind of implement the colors and things like that. But um, or I'm sorry, those are vector files. And then what I'm using is I'm using raster files. So which are the, the photographic imagery. And that's where it's kind of a little bit different. Um, when it comes into the space a little bit more. Not as many people are working with a, a lot of photographic imagery and doing it, but it is something that's obviously a bit available and, and that can be done. But it really started from uh, back in 2011 uh, when I was looking for alternative processes and ways to print my imagery and my designs onto things uh, that would allow them to become functional. So okay. one of my first endeavors was printing on ceramic tiles. Uh, that I that could obviously be incorporated into like an interior, a home, that kind of deal. Um, and then a quilter friend of mine uh, introduced me to digital textile printing. And that's when I was introduced to Spoonflower. And that was back in 2011, just before that, around 2008. And then there was a few years. And 2011, I really started zeroing in on it more. And um, basically, Spoonflower was one of the only organizations in the United States that was doing this because they had built some of their own printers. So digital textile printers. So they were really pioneering and have, and have always really been the pioneers in being able to do it and then being able to offer it to, to independent artists or emerging artists like myself, where I could print basically anywhere from like a limited run from one yard to, you know, however, you know, 50 yards if I wanted to. So a lot yeah. of places, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, I know so much about your industry that spoon flour, I thought, was flour that you get with a spoon. <laughs> oh, it's a real company. How they came up with the name, I'm not sure. It might be a real flour. I haven't really dove into that, but I've always been a little little curious, right? Um, but for sure. Uh, so, yeah. So, they were, they were pioneers, uh, and I've learned more about that company than that, that organization, how they've grown and function and, and do what they do. They do offer uh, three, if I'm not uh, mistaken, three different organic cotton textiles that allowed me to print with them because I wasn't going to print with anybody that didn't have an ethical, sustainable textile, uh, primarily with a, with a certification uh, that I could get behind. Uh, and uh, that's really what I was looking for. So, and again, at the beginning, that was pretty rare. So for them coming out of the gates, having that, it was, it was perfect. It was a great, you know, pair, pair match right there. Um, other companies use a lot of polyester, a lot of synthetics, um, a lot of poly cotton blends, you know, things like that. And I just was not looking for that. I was looking for, for hundred percent natural fibers at the same time as ones that were certified, uh, organic, say with the uh, GOTS certification, the Global Organic Textile Standard or uh, certification. So that's a that's a more popular certification. So uh, so I was not only looking for natural fibers, but I really wanted to know the story behind the fibers because 
when I was starting to print, I knew I could print on textiles, but I was like, what, what textiles am I printing on? And if I'm doing these, this imagery and these designs that are environmentally friendly and promoting my love for the environment and for the natural world, I wanted to use a material at the same time that was not obviously, you know, polluting uh, that environment, you know, too. So it was, so I had to really seek that out. That's really where the adventure has, has begun. Or well, it's, inter it's, it's interesting because we had a gal on, and her name escapes me right now, uh, who's in the fashion industry. And she was saying that the fashion industry is the second largest polluter in, in the country behind, I believe, it's big oil. And, and using uh, poly and, 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 and synthetic things that are made from oil and that kind of stuff just is not good. So she's working to do that on the, in the clothing world, and you're doing that with what you're doing. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah, and uh, I, believe, I believe you're speaking about uh, Elisa Couture. Hey, right. you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know her. Okay, yeah. good. So she, she was just, um, she's kind of debuting her new book, her new book's coming out. And, uh, and so she's been, you know, a great person. I've connected with her, which has been great. Uh, but yeah, um, that's somewhere where I, I went, I kind of got taken into the fashion space through what I do and through the, through the textiles that I work with. And of course, obviously textiles are used without throughout the fashion industry. Um, but I kind of had to pull back. I did start a small, uh, small brand, uh, when I was doing this and doing shirts and skirts and evolved that and that grew and that was great. And that was around 2015, 2016, 17. And so that was awesome. Um, did a project where it was called dirt to shirt. And I took designs that I was creating and, uh, hand stitched them onto the dirt to shirt, which comes from TS designs out of uh, North Carolina. And basically what it is, is it's a, it's a shirt that's uh, made from organic cotton that was grown uh, and manufactured all within uh, around for our shirt was 600 miles. Uh, the whole process was done. And oh, wow. then at the time I was living in, in, uh, in Hawaii on the big island of Hawaii and it would come there and then I would hand stitch these designs that I was doing on them. So uh, that was a great, great project. And uh, just a really, to have a trackable garment, basically uh, we'll have one of them here. So with this, it, it actually has a trackable, um, a trackable ability where when you look in the seam of the shirt and you have the color there, on the on the um the arm and then down at the bottom there's a yellow and you put those two colors into the website and it will actually show you uh who farmed you know who the farmer was with contact information name picture the whole thing who the spinner was you know or or who at least cleaned the cotton who spun it uh who manufactured it who finished it uh who created it into the garment and uh and then obviously we put ourselves at the end of the the supply chain there so that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, so that, that was a fun project. Yeah, so I've got to ask you though: when you were a kid, were you more into photography, more into painting, or were you into climbing trees? <laughs> I was into the photography and the climbing trees. So, <laughs> um, I uh, photography had always I'd always um, gravitated towards photography. My mother had these cameras, uh, these like DSLR cameras that were film, you know, at the time and uh before digital and i would i would always be able to like you you know she'd allow me to use the camera so i'd always be like looking and going and going for like close-up shots i loved macro i loved the flowers and being able to get up close and um but i was photographing a lot and we my parents were both educators and so in the summertime we would go on road trips throughout the united states so because we all had off for the summer um, when we were younger, we would campground host in Aspen, Colorado, uh, which was a huge inspiration for me, just for the natural world. We'd go up there, we'd go out, of, we'd come out of Arizona, Phoenix, where it was getting hot in the summer, go to Aspen, Colorado, where the snow was just melting off. And Aspen was just the, a haven for, for, you know, exploring the natural world. And uh, we... I would obviously be climbing trees at that time and building forts and all sorts of stuff with my brother. 
uh, it was just my brother and myself. And uh, it, the, the photography and the camera was there again, because my mother had had the cameras. And then um, as we would go and do other road trips, like after that, we would go and do the East Coast, you know, and then we did the West Coast. And then my my father uh, was a, a history major, economics teacher, history uh, educator. So we'd always be hitting the, you know, the memorials and all the natural sites and all the the national forests and all the national parks, you know, of course. And I remember my father one time saying, you know, if you're going to be taking the pictures, you need to have people in the pictures because he wanted the editorial <laughs> aspect, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he wanted to kind of like see people and like what things were happening, like this editorial photography. And I was always taking pictures of plants and like for some, so that kind of evolved. I didn't let it get, get down, get me down too much. I did do editorial photography. I worked for a newspaper for, for a while. So. Oh, that's cool. By, by the way, I just have to say, I think it's really cool that your parents and you and your brother went on road trips during the summer and they had it. And, and a lot of people just don't have the, and, and Aspen, Colorado, I'll tell you, there is some beautiful and that trip from Phoenix through Utah to get to uh, um, uh, Colorado, mm. I tell you, it's breathtaking. There's, there's, there's some places in this country that are just, just amazingly breathtaking, and uh, I'm glad you had the opportunity to go do that, and and uh, and that's great for your family. Is is everybody still okay? Yeah, everybody. Um, unfortunately or fortunately, one way or the other, uh, my father has transitioned, so or passed away. Um, but a huge inspiration for me and our whole family and uh you know he was an he was a writer author educator uh creative and so that and trap you know traveler and explore um one of the biggest things was uh just one of the things that just really just monumental is he uh used to work at Saguaro high school and he'd do these wagon tr wagon trips wagon train trips it was called the oh, grassroots yeah. project and the students in senior, you know, senior students would build the wagons and they would go from Prescott, Arizona, all the way down to Scottsdale, Arizona in the wagons and relive the whole experience, the pioneer experience for, you know, the, so uh, that just in itself of just like him doing that was just so cool. And, and that was, I have a deep appreciation for the indigenous peoples of this region of Arizona and of course, all around the world. Uh, but it was a really cool aspect too to kind of almost like stepping back in history and oh, bringing yeah. it in, yeah, and bringing it to life. So doing stuff like that, it was just like the imagination, you know, and just like, like I think that drive too of like nothing's gonna stop us and and we're gonna do this regardless if like if you know the the uh, uh, school district is a hundred percent on and how they're gonna how we can kind of work around and make it happen. Cause uh, it's changed. It changed. It changed students' lives. They did. They got into all sorts of stuff after that. Because oh, that. It, it really would. Because it's it's very. I would love to do that, except for they don't have indoor plumbing, and uh, <laughs> so that would be a problem. But but yeah. you know the kids. They learned so much about what happened and how difficult it was for the folks in the 1800s to make that trip from um, Missouri all the way to the West Coast. It was it's phenomenal that they could do and, and the mountains that they had to go over and the Rockies and the Cascades and the Sierra Madre. Yeah. It's it is was tough. Well, and it was because of that that I spent a lot of time again out in the natural world, you know, natural environment, natural world, because uh, my father had such an appreciation, right, for backpacking and hiking and and being out. And he loved the West. He was originally from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And so, but when he came out West, you know, just like a lot of people did, you know, you know, or have from the East coast, it's like, when he came out West, he was like total, like cowboy, you know, it was like total adventure, like, you know, like couldn't help himself, love that aspect of it. Uh, so of course that's, that's rubbed off on me throughout the, throughout the years and, and still does, you know, still inspired by that. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm really pleased for that because you, you are working with natural things natural products and including uh we talked about before you work with hemp and then other products um and it's it's really is important as we move forward or actually let me ask your opinion is it important as we move forward to make a transition from like like 100 years ago we transitioned to synthetics and 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 man-made stuff don't we now have to transition back to natural ingredients? 
Well, from this is from my experience. Uh, because I've taught a lot of people and educated a lot of people about natural fibers, uh, there's, of course, people that are going to connect with it, and there's going to be people that don't connect with it. And for me, that's completely fine. I've had to really release my, my attachment uh, to kind of, I guess, changing the mindset of everyone, uh, or at least even everybody that I even come in contact with. Like, it's more, what I've found out to be way more important for me in my journey at this time is to do it myself. So if I'm living it and I'm doing it and modeling it, that's the most important thing for me right now. So is it something that I feel like everybody should do and it's kind of like the one way, you know, the right way? I, I don't know. I, don't, I cannot say that. But I will say for me that I am following my my heart and that you know basically my inner calling and my inner calling is telling me to do this so i'm going to i'm going to do it i'm going to follow through and what my inner calling and, and my inner voice or how, however you'd like to describe that the, the calling the downloads uh it can be referred to in many different ways uh is guiding me to do this work and to do it with natural fibers and and it does not work for me it just does not feel right doing it the other way. And so I personally have had a major shift in my own life because at, through going through my process, I have evolved. This has been an evolutionary evolution, you know, involvement uh, for me personally. So I've evolved going through this, of course, right? Going just over the years. And I have eliminated, basically I've taken nat or synthetic fibers out of my life almost completely. So my, sh my shoes are made out of um, hemp, European hemp from, and these come from raw organic, you know, shout out to them, where it has natural fiber, natural rubber, not natural fiber, natural rubber from the rubber trees. Uh, the clothes that I'm wearing are all um, organic cotton. So like in this particular shirt is uh, hand woven. Uh, I have friends that make these garments in India, but it's hand woven. So it'd be considered khadi, which is a traditional uh, Indian textile, which was used, which was basically developed by Gandhi, where it was what they used for basically independence, liberation. So the khadi is where it's all hand spun and hand woven cotton or, or organic cotton textile. So wearing the cottons, wearing the linens, uh, wearing hemp, wearing the uh, wool. I am a big supporter of wool. Uh, so having those things and basically what I'm marrying to my skin. And I know that you guys talked about it in your um, in some in your other presentation, some of your other talks of the aspect of chemicals toxicity uh, on the skin coming from the 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 clothing that is uh, um, artificial. Exactly. So. They, once you start diving in and you know the information, like the amount of toxic chemicals that are used in the conventional way of producing and dyeing textiles, then you can't unsee, like you can't unsee it. So then you're going to like this for me, at least. Okay. Some people might be able to. And so I um, seek, I'm seeking out those textiles that are extremely clean to put on my body. And I'm just going through other you know, changes just through my diet and, you know, lifestyle changes and stuff like that. So it just goes like together for me. It's like, it just works. And so as much as I was doing like the fashion aspect of it, I'm not really at this time looking to create more of like a brand and that those type of products. I'm looking at really doing my eco art, presenting that kind of in, in another way. And then I will personally be wearing these textiles. And if other people obviously are inspired by that and want to, you know, resources or know where to, you know, access them or whatever I'm doing, then obviously I'm going to be open to sharing that, you know, with them. Well, you so. know, the thing is, <laughs> by the way, we're talking with Asher T. St. Clair. He is a digital artist and uh, he's an eco-friendly guy. Um, and and I, I got to tell you a couple things. First of all, as we go down this road of life that we are all going down, there are more and more people that are interested in changing what they're doing, how they're buying stuff, where they're going, but they don't know how. Uh, so you, your education can be really helpful into teaching people what to buy, where to buy it, because a lot of people would say, if there was a store that was all natural that I could go to, I'd go there. 
Um, and and yes, uh, in the conversation we had before, we talked about Nordstrom has got a few lines and stuff, but that's really is a sidelight. That's not that's not the focus of their business. Um, and so you could you could make a whole business out of just educating people. Well, and it's something that I do. I do presentations. Um, I've done speaking engagements where I've talked with like the Arizona Department of Education. I've gone in multiple times with them talking to educators that are actually in the fashion space. So they, they're in their, fa- in, the, in their schools. They run their fashion programs, right, uh, within the schools. And so I'll go and talk to educators and educate them about what natural fibers are or eco-natural fiber, you know, natural eco-textiles. And then also what digital textile printing is, how I've married, the, you know, brought the two together and, and educating them. And I've also talking, talked to other organizations as well uh, throughout Arizona here, haven't done anything internationally at this particular time, probably will happen in the future, uh, or will happen in the future, but, uh, mainly more here locally in Arizona. And so I've been really inspired by that. And, and it's really basic, it's really been an evolution for me because I've had to take that approach of like bringing it more to the forefront and, you know, and, and kind of presenting my way, all the, the information and stuff and really organizing it right getting it put together to present it which has been a great um you know a great thing for me to do a great exercise uh, and when we were in, when i was in hawaii i did speak to uh the uh university of hawaii university of hawaii in hilo uh we were asked to come and talk about the dirt to shirt you know to the fashion uh, uh community the fashion uh department you know that was there so there's definitely been opportunities and I'm all about that because I have an education background. I actually have an education degree. I've worked inside the public schools um, and some charter schools as well. So I love I love the education aspect of it, you know, and and, and sharing, you know, because I know it is challenging. I have gone through and tried to find these things and I'm still searching. I'm still looking. And it brings up a really great point, Kevin, that when you can't sometimes find those things, what I'm working on right now is I'm actually develop. I'm just doing my own shirt. I'm doing my own so that I can really use the materials that I really want to use. There isn't anybody really doing it. So that's where sometimes we got to just, we just got to kind of do it ourselves, you know, and innovate it ourselves. My executive producer calls that your niche <laughs> and you have to get your niche in right. order to be able to be successful in business. And it sounds to me like you've, you've got a couple of really cool niches that you can marry the two of them into something that can be really helpful. I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. um, my, my son educated me on hemp. I'm, I'm a little older and, and the, and the, uh, I wasn't used to the idea that hemp was as universally used or could be as it is. It can make, uh, first of all, it grows anywhere. Um, it's, it's a weed that's, that pretty much weed. Maybe that's what we should call it. Anyway, um, it, it, it grows, it grows anywhere. Um, it is, um, you can use it for paper. You can use it for clothing. You can use it for rope. You can, it's stronger than, than the traditional ropes, um, according to him and stuff. Is it, can we buy it? Is it legal in the, in this country? Is it legal in some places and not in others? Where are we with the hemp debate? So for me, for me specifically, um, since I focus on eco textiles, I'm looking at hemp textiles, right? right. Um, when it comes to the other things like the building material, um, and I'm, I'm totally all about it. I love learning about it and consuming it myself. I mean, I consume hemp seed on a regular basis because um, I know that, you know, the, the, the beneficial properties uh, that, it, that, it, that it has. Um, I've done a, hemp, a, a tiny hemp home build where we, we built a... Um, uh, a tiny home out of hempcrete. And so I've been, you know, parts participated in that. I personally am all about hempcrete. Uh, that will be something that I will be involved with again, as we move forward on this journey, uh, where I will, would, you know, will basically would love a home, you know, that was built all of out, out of hempcrete. It'll be, it will become more popular as it, you know, is a, a resource that's more renewable and, and it will become more accessible. So when we talk about natural or we talk about the, the textiles that come from the hemp plant. So because you have all these different things, like even the, uh, the you know, the body care, the seed, the, 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 the different materials, right? Um, the different things that you can use it for. 
those all come from different parts of the plant. So depending on what part of the plant you're using will determine what you're making out of it. So, or the oil and those sorts of things. So when we're talking about the textile, we're talking about the, the stock, the, um, the outer stock of the, of the plant. So with that, it needs to be industrial hemp. So in industrial hemp is different than say CBD hemp, like CBD hemp, CBD plants that are grown for CBD um, are like a shrubby plant. It's been bred in, and grown to be really small shrubby. And then industrial hemp is really hot, really tall stalks um, where they're towering basically over your head. I mean, they're, they're at least, you know, can be 12, 13, 14 feet tall. And wow. that's really what you need for the fiber for, for, for the textiles. So right now in the country, in the United States, we're really focused on the CBD cultivation of hemp. So we're not as focused on the industrial hemp growing. Industrial hemp will be grown out in, you know, large, large parcels, large acreage, um, right? So you'll have hundreds of acres of hemp. And that's something that will definitely evolve, you know, over time here in the United States. We, you know, the farm bill was passed. It's opened up the gate, the, the doors for a lot of, um, a lot of farmers to get into the industry. One of the challenges that, that a lot of farmers will face when it comes to the textiles and the fibers, and then of course the herd, which then creates the hemp creep is the processing uh, equipment. So that's where there's, there's a little bit of a roadblock where you don't if you don't have the processing facilities built out and established, then a farmer growing it isn't gonna grow it because there's not a direct, um, a direct line, market. right? Yeah. yeah, so that's where there's been a little bit of a, a hiccup in, in that. But it is evolving, it's happening, uh, but it's, of course, it's, it's kind of going you know, a little bit slower. Um, and again, the return on the investment isn't, isn't there as much as the CBD, you know, everybody's seen the dollar signs with CBD. So that's where everybody goes in, you know, everyone's going in. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and of course the processing of it now, they are making like a cellulose where they're taking the fight, the plant of the CBD plant. And after they've taken the buds for the CBD, they're taking the plant and they're grinding it down and then they're mixing it with other chemicals. And then those chemicals will break it down and make it into kind of like a, um, you know, more of like a, like a paste. And then that's pushed through spinnerets and made into like a cellulose fiber, but it's basically like a viscose process. And so um, that I haven't, I don't personally support that because I don't support the chemicals that are needed to break right. down that plant matter. And that's, what's also used. And a lot of people have this mistaken for like bamboo being a natural, like a, like a, a, I would say a beneficial natural fiber that you'd want to wear. I personally am not about bamboo because it goes through that a lot of the bamboo, a majority, there is a very small amount that doesn't, but a majority of the bamboo go through the viscose process, which where it, the, where literally it's bathed in multiple baths of chemicals, toxic chemicals that then allow it to become the kind of the solution it needs to be to then push, be put through these spinnerets, which makes it into like a strand, you know, of, it would be like a yarn at that point and then that's taken and then woven. So see, people don't know about that. They just think bamboo, it grows fast. It's renewable. It's natural. We love it, but they're not really looking at how it's processed. And when you look at that and you see that dirty kind of process, then you're like, you're, you're no, that doesn't make sense, but they are developing processes that are non-toxic. It's just, they're a little bit harder to find. So, that's a little bit on the on the, the hemp uh, industry and where we're at. It's growing, it's happening, but we need the basically what we we really require our farmers to see the benefits of growing industrial hemp, which also has the seed that goes with it. The seed, the stock goes along with that, and then the herd is all that also there. So with industrial hemp, you get a lot more options than with the CBD. So it's just getting farmers to go in on that. Um, and the investment's going to be high to kick off with, but it's going to be revolutionary and it's going to be, it's going to pay off in the long run. It's going to go like multiple generations, uh, right. For, for benefiting opposed to just like, boom, CBD, uh, you know, that's where the money. And I, I understand different farmers are in it for different things and, and, and that's fine. But, but there's a push for farmers to get into the industrial hemp and be growing it on that scale. And I mean, Think about it when we're going a mass scale like that, that 
the amount of like carbon that's being taken, um, you know, out of the atmosphere. And then the hemp plant, the root system regenerates and rejuvenates the soil and can literally take toxins and things out of, out of contaminated soils. So it can be used to literally clean up places that, that have been contaminated. Um, and it can also be used as, um, as a, as a crop that's basically, you know, brought in with other crops and, and it, it works well like that. Uh, so. I, I, I think that's wonderful because we need, um, um, I was reading a report not too long ago. Do you know one of the uh, chemicals that they find in soil virtually around the world? Jet fuel. Jet fuel. Ooh, yeah. Because if you look at if you look at the process of jet fuel, you have a jet flies overhead, and it, it has emissions, and those emissions stay up there until it rains, and then it goes into the into the groundwater, and then the Colorado River has uh, um, jet fuel in it. And so we really need to clean up our environment in a, in a whole myriad of ways. And I just, I just think, by the way, do you write a blog? Uh, I don't currently write a blog, uh, but uh, basically what I've informed through my social medias, uh, which uh, I have all connected to my website, AsherTSinclair.com, uh, where, you know, you can, you can get a hold of me on, on social media. Uh, it's a great thing that, uh, that you mentioned that. It is something that I'm evolving into to be doing that, and I should be doing that more, uh, you know, more frequently. Right now, I'm really focused on this project that uh, is th basically this grant project that I've really been focusing on to make it happen, and then create these designs and these tapestry, these wall hangings uh, that I'm finishing as of right now. So I'm putting through my final run. But I'm I'm stitching the whole thing, and so basically I'm I'm. It's been a really good process for me where I'm creating this this product, creating this tangible thing that people can then take and bring into their home. A lot of what I've been doing has been through y y the internet or through social media, you know, talking about it. A lot of talking, and I really this is really a great opportunity for me to solidify and bring it together. So. Just to plug the project a little bit in the grant project, I have successfully digitally printed my nature-inspired designs onto 100% certified organic cotton that was grown in Texas. It was uh, spun in North Car in uh, South Carolina. It was I'm sorry, it was spun in North Carolina, uh, manufactured in South Carolina, and then it was uh, sent to California where it was finished. And then it was printed in Missouri and then it came here to Arizona and I stitched it. So it's a made in the U.S. Uh, product, again, from organic cotton that was grown in Texas right here in the United States. So it's a testament really to farmers like the ones in Texas that have a cooperative where they've had to pull together and come together to create the amount of fight, like the amount of organic cotton to kind of bring it to market and uh and allow and to have it accessible to people like myself or to other textile designers uh to create these textiles uh and make that happen and of course organic cotton is going to be grown without herbicides or pesticides uh insecticides and it's basically you know obviously a very natural process but it takes a lot of knowledge it takes a lot of commitment it, it takes a, you know the farmers have really had to dedicate themselves to that and for me as a, as an eco artist i'm here celebrating that and and sh and sharing that you know as well and of course they're digitally printed with non-toxic biodegradable non-hazardous inks uh and using a 100% waterless printing process well you know it's 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 amazing by the way when you do start writing a blog i would love to put that onto my or to positive talk radio because we have a blog that's that's beginning and we'll give you your own byline and everything love uh, it. because this is something that is really really important for us going forward because i'm not going to have to see what could happen if we don't change our ways but there are younger people, my kids, my grandkids are going to have to look at that down the road. And so I, if we can change it uh, even just a little bit um, and we can change it. But, you know, over time, things that that were too expensive at one point, they tend to come into line because everything else changes as well. And when that happens, then 
we can then then you, you've got to we'll have a growing thriving business and well thank uh, you i appreciate yeah. that kevin and i mean you're you're absolutely right that's what's happening with the hemp industry you know the price of things is going is going down as as amount of people and farmers are getting in that aspect and i you know it's basically it's happening the evolution is happening um from where i stand and where i see it from 2011 uh, 2008 even, but really 2011 kind of getting into the space to where it's at today. I mean, the, the consciousness level of where people are at with say the fashion and all that because of social media, because of the internet, it's really spread that, that word a lot more. It's, you know, through the video content and people sharing what's really happening, documentaries and sharing this, um, people are able to then be aware of it and then make choices and seek out. But there's also these emerging designers that are able to, to come on the platform and, and, be able to create small, you know, smaller brands, smaller lines, you know, and, and more uh, kind of create on demand and then present that. So there's a lot more of those brands that are that are evolving, too. But uh, again, and I think like you bring up a great point of obviously if it's not just our generation and I felt the same way, I'm not doing all that I'm doing just for me and this generation. And right now, this is really a testament, you know, and a celebration for the next generation, too to just kind of have these, like a little bit of a breadcrumb, you know, for the, for the next evolution of where they'll take things. Uh, so, but, but I do, I do see it happening. And I think just the fact that I'm evolving and I watch my own myself evolve through this process, then it's kind of like, you, if I'm doing it, really anybody can do it and, and more people will do it really exactly exactly which is really good let's talk about your um uh, the tapestries that you're doing for the uh for the grant how did you get the grant so the grant was, was yeah yeah so so the grant was through the arizona commission on the arts and so that was here locally so it was, it's for obviously arizona artists and it was called the research and development grant so there was a uh, there was an artist grant that I originally through the same organization I applied for and I got denied, and that was like an artist opportunity grant. So I thought I thought you know oh this is great this is perfect and then I got denied. Then the late then the woman emailed me and said you know we have the research and development grant coming up I think you should go for that, and so I was like okay that's great so I kind of kind of worked my grant just a little bit, not much. It was basically, it's the same thing because it's the same concept. I already had the concept in my mind. I already knew what I was going to do. And so I presented that and sure enough, I got that grant, which gave me literally twice, if not three times as much funds to do the project. And so I, I was like, okay, this is great. You know? And um, it was kind of a, a, a moment for me. I was like, if I get this grant, like this is a sure sign that I need to keep, you know, moving forward. And sure enough, boom, it hit. I was like, okay, let's go. <laughs> you know, I knew exactly careful what you wish for. I know, I know. And I, and I am, and I'm very focused with that. And, uh, uh, in kind of in my purpose in life and what I know I'm here and, and working towards. And so, uh, basically what it, what, how I wrote the grant was I was going to digitally print my designs onto organic cotton. that was grown in the grown and manufactured in the United States. And, uh, and then of course, you know, print it here in the United States, stitch it. And I did want to mention that it's all stitched with organic cotton thread, which is another aspect of this, which we don't actually manufacture organic cotton thread in the United States, believe it or not. Uh, that's a thread that we do not, uh, process here in the United States. So it comes from organic cotton that was grown in India and then in process there. So that was literally one of the, like the only component of this that I could not get in the United States because, or made in the United States because it literally does, it doesn't exist. So it would have all had to be hand, hand woven and kind of with made in America, there's a percentage and the thread is a very fine percent, but of course it is still all organic cotton and the best that we could do now. And so, um, so basically with that, with that process, I went at the time, once I got the grant, I thought I know, I thought I knew who I was going to be sourcing my textiles from. And I went to them and they said, we've sold out of that canvas, that organic cotton canvas. And so I was like, okay, great. You know, what am I gonna do now? Cause this stuff is, is extremely rare. So I do my homework, I'm researching around, I find another source for it and it's a twill. Um, so very similar to like a canvas material. It kind of has like diagonal lines going through it. And that's the one that I went with. And um, it was, it's literally the only organic cotton twill that is grown and manufactured in the United States. This fiber right here is literally one of a kind 
the only one that exists in the, you know, in the United States with, with that story. So there are other types of weaves or knits um, that are made in the, like more of knits. That's the stretchy material knits that are made in the United States with organic cotton. But when it comes to the twill or it comes to like a woven fabric, this is literally uh, one of the only ones, um, if not the only one. Uh, so I was extremely excited, yeah, excited about that. And, uh, and then it's just basically been a, a, a huge learning curve for me because this is the largest print run that I've done on my own. You know, I was doing a lot through Spoonflower and stuff. So this one, it's like I had all creative freedom and I'm running uh, nine different designs, uh, which will all be created into tapestries like this, which are about, which are 24, roughly 24 inches by 36 inches. And uh, have a an oak dowel through the through the top there, which are also made in the in the U.S. And uh, yeah, and, and basically brought it together into something that I could create um, instead of outsourcing somebody to kind of stay within that budget. So this was something that I always wanted to do, and it allowed me to actually go in and I'm doing all the stitching, finishing the edges, and and doing that, which I've had a, a passion obviously for doing the hand stitching. But just for learning that technique, because through the fashion space, I've had a deep appreciation for what people do to create garments, because it is a lot harder than it looks. And one uh, example of that was I created a jacket. And this jacket, when I went in to do this jacket uh, with some local designers uh, here, local manufacturer, uh, this is made with Ahimsa silk. So the silk lining on the inside, ahimsa silk is also called pea silk. It is created uh, where they don't boil the silk larva or silk uh, worm uh, alive. They actually allow the, the larva to become a, a moth and then fly away from its cocoon. And so it's called pea silk. And then the outer shell is, um, is a cruelty-free wool uh, that is is basically all dyed with um, very it's low impact dyes um, and comes from Australia. Uh, so that project though uh, I didn't nail it down. It was one of my first. I didn't nail it down. There was a lot of things that went kind of wrong with it. And just through that, right now I'm currently working on a shirt, a garment, a shirt like this, where I'm uh, working with a, another designer to create that that garment and that shirt. So I figured. Okay, the jacket, very complex, very hard. Let's step it down a notch. Let's go to the shirt. Let's go to the shirt first, okay? Um, so that, that's just been, you know, again, learning, learning about that. But that's, that's a little bit about the grant. Um, and I will be releasing the collection on my website on AsherTSinclair.com. Again, AsherTSinclair.com. Uh, and that I'll be also be putting it out. Yeah. That website again is... AsherTSinclair.com. And I'll be putting it obviously on my social media. I'm already sharing some of the, um, some of the first ones that I've been creating on my Instagram and, and of course, Facebook too. So. I'm, I'm curious if what is, it never dawned on me. What is thread made from? Well, it's made from the fiber. So if let's say like you have, and this is, you know, a great question. Um, I actually, since I've gotten more into this, I had friends that were uh, actually growing cotton and they, they didn't want their cotton plants. So they gave them to me. So I ended up actually growing some of my own cotton. So this is a great lead into this. So they had already sprouted the plants and the plants were going, they kind of went dormant. So I pretty much had to water them and baby them. Uh, but this is basically organic cotton. Uh, and because it's grown without any herbicides, pesticides or anything like that in organic soil. And so this is actually what the thread is made from. So this fiber, uh, which for cotton is a very short fiber, it's very short, uh, for other, uh, fibers such as hemp, uh, it's a very long fiber. It's a bass fiber, very long, but for cotton, it's very short, but basically this is taken and just to kind of take a little sample of this, and this in say with indigenous tribes, this was uh, used with drop spindles, uh, which were just like, it's basically like a hand tool and they would use a drop spindle and spin this. But basically as you twist this, the fibers interlocked with, interlock with each other. And as you twist it, and then you kind of twist and pull, twist and pull, it becomes stronger and stronger. But um, as that drop spindle keeps the weight going down, 
And that's what allows this whole fiber to spin, spin, spin. And that becomes, that becomes the yarn. So the drop spindle is obviously traditionally used through indigenous, you know, peoples and uh, throughout time. Then of course it's evolved into industrial equipment. So that, that spinning of the fiber is a whole industrial process now. Uh, but before that it has to, it has to get cleaned. You know, it's got to go from, from the, from the bowl in, to getting cleaned um, and then uh, carded, combed and gets into where it can then be uh, spun, you know, spun and then it's woven after that or manu- you know, manufactured. So when is the uh, um, when is the project complete and you're going to show it on the web and and are you going to have like a uh, uh, um, a uh, art showing of of the thing and like in a building and stuff? Right. Well, um, basically that has been you know the plan all along. Of course, with the the situation, pandemic, and things happening, um, now things have kind of evolved. At the beginning of it, I because I got the grant at that time and. I was kind of unsure and I knew I'd be doing a lot of it online. So of course I'll be sharing it out online. Uh, but a lot of focus um, wasn't necessarily on being able to do it, say somewhere, because I didn't know where we would be at. Uh, but it was basically looking at how I would basically do something like an exhibition or an online exhibition. So um, at this point, I, I don't have somewhere where I'm going to be presenting it um, in, in, you know, kind of in the physical, but I guarantee you that that will happen and mm-hmm. um, locally here, I do have some places that I'm that I'm looking at, but I've entered some shows, uh, you know, some exhibitions and stuff. So I've had it accepted into some exhibitions. Uh, but basically with that, only like one or two designs go out at a time. Uh, but basically to do like a full on show, that will be something that I will be evolving into doing, especially with this project to share what it is and, and what's going on with it. I, I will say I have been focused pretty much 110% or 111% on just accomplishing it and getting it done. Right. And so it's uh, scheduled to really be done by the end of this year. So going into 2022 is when it will be prepared and ready to really be presented, but I'm really focusing on creating a number of them so that they can be, um, you know, so they can be consumed by other people taken into their homes and allow allow them to have part of this this eco material in their homes, making more of an eco home. <laughs> and now, have you me being a business, former business guy? Mm-hmm. I, I've always I'm always curious. Have you looked at the cost effect ratio of that and how much you would actually have to charge somebody in order to make a living doing that? And is it is it doable? I guess would be. And like as an example, how much is that worth behind you? Well, uh, these prints um, behind me, this I will be uh, selling for $260. Oh, that's, so that's cheap. It's, it's extremely inexpensive, okay? And the reason is, is because I want to share this, first of all, with people. I want to right. bring it into a price point that people can actually consume and not necessarily your quote-unquote art collectors or people that are in the art space I really want to bring this to like anybody that's really passionate about it or wants to have it in their environment to bring it into their environment. So this project really is not for me to, you know, necessarily um, it's, it's more of a launch, you know, it's more like yeah. a launch pad for me more than anything. And so as I get these designs in this, this art for me has been extremely healing. This is an extremely healing process. And of course, with this, the, the mandala design, people will see different things, you know, within the designs too. I, things will come out and, like kind of show themselves all the time. Like when I'm kind of looking at them or exploring, you know, exploring them, uh, little things, just either a little kind of character might kind of be there kind of in that, in that divide or, or hearts in that aspect. So anybody that really wants to have it in their environment, I want to make it accessible to that because I, the price point was, you know, it, it could go higher, but I'm not really, I'm not really um, concerned with that. And as long as you don't starve, that's the that's the thing because you it, because it doesn't do anybody any good if you starve to death and can't afford to do this anymore. And and that is true. And I am actually doing my MBA right now, which you'll appreciate as being in business. Yeah. And I have learned on my journey to even do sustainable business and to be a sustainable business. You obviously need profit. So believing in the triple bottom line: people, planet, and profit. So the profit obviously 
will allow me to continue, <laughs> thank you, to do the work. And uh, I this, even with that price, I will be able to profit. However, there is a, probably a good amount of my time that's been into it, taking the imagery and all of that, that really I'm almost gifting to people at this point because you, there is a lot of time that's gone into this and research for sure. So, right. but, but I want to, I want people to really get inspired by it and then obtain it. And then of course, as I keep developing and keep things going up, it's, it's more about really getting it into, cause that's where it really belongs. You know, it really, it's like, I'm doing this to share it. I need to get, I really require to get it out there and I don't want to hinder myself obviously through, through the price. So I've got all my shipping supplies going right now. I'm, I'm zeroing in on that. It's going to be all eco-friendly shipping supplies. So when it gets shipped to you, it's going to, it's going to be, be. yeah, it's going to be coming from recycled cardboard. Everything's going to be biodegradable shipping materials, even down to the labels. So, uh, it's, uh, I've spent a lot of time in that too, to really assure that this whole process is really as, as, you know, ethical and sustainable as I can really make it at this time. And I would venture to guess that this is just me, but I'm just going to venture to guess that uh, as as an artist, that you are inspired and sometimes you don't know where the inspiration came from. It just showed up and and it came out to be just a beautiful piece, a uh, beautiful creation. And and you don't even want to take credit for it because it just kind of showed up. Is that well, correct? That is correct. And I what I like to say in that process is that a, a genius, a genius doesn't actually exist. It's the genius and the genius channels or flows through you. So what will happen for me is I'll start working on something on a design and it will go where I didn't even expect it to go. And as I work with it and as I build a relationship with it and, and in the imagery and the different imagery, it will almost, it will fall together. And I even sometimes will be like saying in my own mind to myself, like, this design really wants to, you know, be created because it's kind of speaking, you know, it's kind of like a language, this visual language, and it's kind of happening. And I'll kind of pull back. And there's there's designs that I've created. And then for this collection that I'm going to be debuting uh, and presenting, there's designs that were uh, that I had created. And I went back into them and and tweaked them a little bit and really refined them even more. And that's kind of what it was really calling for. And you're right. It's the genius that you basically you put yourself in the position with the tools to start creating and you just start, it's kind of like what I like to say, tinkering, you know, you start tinkering with things. And before you know it, it's like, you're in that groove, you're in that flow and, and you, and then you kind of step back from it, but it is for me and for a lot of artists and creators, it's a very, uh, it's, it, it is very meditative or quiet time space where you kind of get in that zone, you get in that flow and it, 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 and it evolves, you know, it evolves. I like how the images come together and how, like, I still surprise myself. I mean, even this design behind me has still kind of like, what, how, like how that, how did that all really, you know, but, um, but I think, yeah, just putting yourself in that space and you kind of, and, and you, and you work with it and it's kind of like a pottery, right. And you kind of, on the potter's wheel it's like you work with it and before you know it it's like it's turning into that that masterpiece it's like um authors do it um writers do it um um singers songwriters do it poets do it mechanics do it if, if there yeah. is there is a flow that when you are attached to the flow i call it the life flow and when mm -hmm. you are attached to that and and fully engaged with it things beyond your wildest dreams that you had no earthly idea could happen happen exactly and exactly and and i even like to say like even the aspect of kind of being psychic in a sense you know or kind of receiving that message is i honestly believe that everybody has that ability you know everybody in body human form has that ability to tap into that so it's not like there is a psychic or she's a psychic or he's a psychic it's like we are all have that ability. We all have that psychic ability and that, that kind of energy and that flow is really kind of where this is and where this is kind of tapping into. And it just takes, it takes practice. You know, I'm still practicing. It takes practice to kind of get in your flow and find your groove and find, find that space. Uh, so, and I can't really, 
like I've never been able to really say that I can, uh, you know, recommend anything for anybody because you never know how something might inspire somebody because it's really the journey where it's when it happens, like it'll happen and it'll click and you'll know. So if it's not like, if you don't feel like it's happening, literally from my personal experience, that is gaining the, the respect for patience and building patience. And you uh-huh. wait, you wait. And, 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 and as you wait and things will come, things will come, it will come through, but it's the patience that's really required. And I've had to be extremely patient through what, what I'm doing. And when you do learn patience, that's a really, uh, you know, deep lesson that we all obviously require to learn. Oh, so exactly. We'd like to follow you and to see where you go with all of this. This would be really cool. So can I, can we invite you back? Will you come back? Yeah, absolutely. That that would be awesome. I would, I would love to do that. Oh, awesome. Cause we want to follow the, this and when it gets released and we can show the pictures and, and we can uh, do some, we can do some fun stuff with it. Absolutely. And, yeah. And I'm evolving as artists. I mean, there's things that I'm doing behind the scenes, obviously from this project, and, you know, there's constant like that next gen, you know, that next generation of thing, what I'm doing and what I'm going to be releasing. Um, you know, one thing that I just like to show, you know, share with people just to kind of take that perception out of things is this particular fabric is a knit fabric. Right. And that fabric, if you could guess what that fabric is, being that it's like see through, you know, you can pretty much see through it. What might you just guess wildest dreams, you know, what that might be as a natural fiber. And these are things that I'm always learning. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Coconut. I, you know, no, I, I, great. I mean, yes, absolutely. They do make, you know, natural fibers out of coconut shells for coconut core. Absolutely. Uh, that's wool. So this is, this is wool. So a lot of people think wool is so bulky and this is actually a wool that's been made into a knit and so that too is just kind of showing like where things are going, where things are evolving, that actually wool isn't just like this bulky, you know, textile. It can be this knit right. material that actually a shirt or an undergarment can be uh, made out of. And wool has amazing properties to keep you cool in the summertime and, and uh, warm in the wintertime. So there's aspects of just like that, learning about different textiles. There's a, a banana silk textile, you know, that comes from the banana stalk of the banana different people. So as I come back on, like you're, like you're asking me to do, uh, different people are doing different stuff and new stuff is evolving and coming out. There's, uh, different textiles that are being created from, from mycelium, uh, from being grown just like, uh, just like, you know, mushrooms and mycelium or fungi, fungi is being grown. So there's, that's, that's called an alternative leather, uh, that's happening there. So, uh, but yeah, I'm always learning. There's always something new, you know, coming up and, again there's 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 a bunch of different natural fibers that i've researched and we could talk about but uh, of course we can you know cover that next time absolutely absolutely well we are we've come to the end of our time together today <laughs> asher um by the way go to asher t sinclair.com and uh and you will learn all about him and give him a call or, or or email him and just say i love what you're doing and when you when you get to a point where you can tell me how to do what you're doing then you can charge me for it <laughs> so, that's awesome thank thank you kevin i really appreciate you having me on today and just basically taking the time to hear my story and and what we're basically what we're creating as a community really i mean this is this is a, a team effort this is happening together Yours is a great story. I applaud you for for not disregarding your talents and and following through and and following your heart um, because your heart told you natural ingredients, natural ingredients. You didn't want to mess with the other stuff because you want to be a leader in this. And I I, I think that's I think that's wonderful. As a, as a last moment, if there's anything that you would like to say to our audience now or in the future, uh, the floor is yours, sir. Well, uh, I appreciate that, Kevin. And you know, just seeing that basically this has been a journey, this has been an evolution. And if there is something that you're out there for all the listeners, viewers that you're working on, uh, let it evolve naturally. It's going to evolve naturally. And if you have that inside of yourself, if, if there's something there that's kind of calling and maybe you're not doing it or doing it all, it's all part of the process. It's all part of the creative process. 
So if it's not the actual form that you're creating or the piece of art or the, you know, the masterpiece or whatever project you're working on, there's other things that you're doing that are actually assisting with that whole process. So it's not just the end product, the end product. It's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a journey, you know, it's, it's a journey, not a destination. So it's all part of it and, and loving the process. And I do honestly believe that we all can have a deeper connection with the natural way of life. And I am all about that. I'm inspired by it. And I'm just excited to see kind of where it evolves and grows. And uh, yeah, if there's anything that's out that, that, you're, that you're working on, projects that you're working on, uh, just allow it to kind of evolve naturally. And it hasn't, it hasn't uh, for me personally, it hasn't just been boom and you know everything's happening. And that I think is actually one of the best parts of this is that it's really been a journey. And I will say too, that this has all been really amazing to see the, all the people and connections and that's really what's been a big part of this is just from what I do, connecting with the community and connecting with people that are like-minded in the space. And that has supported me in my healing of, you know, going through my evolution. And I've just realized that more recently than anything is this might not even be all about the art as much as just making human connections with people, just like we're doing right now. And having these conversations and connecting as fellow human beings and in body form. So <laughs> that's what we'll see how it evolves. That's beautiful. Yeah, let the adventure continue. <laughs> that's right. Cause you're right. It's a journey, not a destination that's and right. you, and you enjoy the journey. And over time you don't know where it's going to go that's right. uh, because you, you don't get to have that forethought, but somebody else, that is imminently involved in your life does know and they're and they're planning it for you so i at least that's my firm belief but uh because you know and i just want to leave with you um paul mccartney who i've known since he was you know first came out in 64 he doesn't have it all figured out yet and he's the most prolific songwriter in the history of mankind and he still says i'm still learning i'm still evolving it never ends until it ends and maybe together we have it all figured out, but singly, individually, no one's gonna have it figured out. But That's collectively, exactly. collectively, it's it's it is you know it's there. It has been figured out. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'd like to thank you again, uh, um, Asher T Sinclair. Go to his website um, at uh, Asher T Sinclair com and you'll find out all about him and good luck with when uh the unveiling and the showing and stuff that, that's going to be an exciting day for you i appreciate it thanks so much kevin thanks for having me on really appreciate it you'll be on again so stay right where you are and i'll be right back hey and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end hey pretty cool Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other because each other's all we've got. See you next time on My Independence Report.